Okay, friends of God. Let's put that down. That's the title of the message. Quickly, it's a very quick one. Friends of God. Now, first of all, I'd like to start by saying that God is a relational God. You see, the problem sometimes is the upbringing, the Christian upbringing. A lot of the time, so many people were brought up in their Christian world to see God as a, um, a, a religious entity, an old man somewhere that when you, you have to say, oh God, and some people even pray and add D and thou, use King James language. I mean, that is, in their mind, it's an old man somewhere with beard, you know, and long beard. I mean, the more he grows, the more the beard, white beard, and God is sitting down in heaven. And when we are dealing with him, we are dealing with like a religious entity. And a lot of the time, it's until we need something that we go to him. Okay, it's until we need something that we go to him. So it's like a, a thing in our minds and, and we have grown through it. And that becomes our mindset about God. But I want to, I want to show you that God is actually a relational God. God is, is a, a personality who likes to relate with people. See, he is a personality that likes to relate to people. So you see the various um, explanations that the Bible gives concerning God. Say he's a father. A father must have a child. You understand? So you can see that the, the kind of um, words that are used to qualify the personality of God, you know, it's like they say God is a father. He's a, he's a father, then he's a friend. You know, there's, uh, all those qualities are not for a static computer. You understand? Because when you hear a lot of Christians' prayers, you understand that a lot of Christians see God like a computer. God is, God, I need phone. We press God, I need a phone, we just go back, you know. But when you study the scriptures, you realize that God is a relational God. God wants to relate with you. He wants to relate with me. He wants to relate with us. So, what is God like? Now, I'll show you a scripture, Psalm 25. Psalm 25. I'm reading verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Now, powerful verse of scripture. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Now, the word secret of the Lord there, you might think, uh, is uh, God is telling someone a secret. Not necessarily. I want you to give me the message translation of this verse. Message. God's friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones he confides in. Amazing. God's friendship. Amazing. 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 Hold on. God's friendship is for God worshippers. They are the ones he confides in. Now, can you imagine that the Bible can actually use a word and say confide in? That means God confides in people. You know, sometimes we think about, we, I'm looking for someone to confide in. I'm looking for someone to talk to. God is a relational being, and he also is looking for someone to talk to. If God was not looking for anyone to talk to, why would he make Adam? He made Adam for relationship. When you study John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's talking about the relationship that the Godhead was having. Now someone says, uh, the, the, the thing of the Trinity, someone says the Trinity, you know, we don't understand the Trinity. Is it three in one, or three for one, or three to one? You know, what's the Trinity? You see, one of the first things that impedes people's understanding of spiritual things is when you always try to get a natural uh, explanation to it. You will always have a mistake. So it, it will look some way like, how is it three in one? Because we are talking about Trinity. Is it three in one? Is it the same person acting as three people or it is three people that are one? You know, how, how is it panning out? I said the 
one of the greatest things that does not help you to understand a spiritual thing. Like the Bible says, says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Sometimes we do compare the spiritual with the natural. But not all the time. It's not all always accurate. But sometimes you have to compare the spiritual with spiritual. So if you try to understand with your mind that three in one or one in three, how does it work? You see, when you try to understand it like that, and some try to explain it with uh, body, soul, and spirit, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now, let me help you with this. Have you seen the sun? There's the essence of the sun. There's the light of the sun and the heat of the sun. Can you separate them? You can't separate the three. There's the essence of the sun. There's the sun, the thing they call the sun. It is, it is, not, it is not an abstract thing. It's not in the mind. It's a sun. There's something called sun. Without the light and the heat, there's sun. But there's the light of the sun that helps us to appreciate the sun. And the Bible talks about Jesus Christ being the express image of God. That means Jesus is the body of God. Then there's the heat of, heat of the sun. You understand? You have to feel that one. You have to, you understand? So, when you're talking about the Trinity, this is, let me say, the, one of the most basic ways, but it's still not so accurate. Because the Bible calls it a mystery. When it's called a mystery, you have to understand. All right, let me not divert from my topic. God friendship is for God worshipers. Now go to the TLB of this particular verse, the, the Living Bible Translation. God friendship, God friendship, wow. God friendship, that means God can have friendship. God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. Okay, go to the TLB. Give me the TLB. All right, let me get it from here for you. TLB is the Living Bible, the Living Bible. He says, friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With that alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. So friendship with God, there's such a thing as friendship with God. Now, what are some of the things that friendship with God does? So you notice that in the Bible, there are certain people that God dealt with generally. And there are some people that God testified of, God related with differently. You can see that some people, he hands to them more than things. You see, he hands to them more than things. There are, some people think God is just a genie for collecting things. God, I want this and we get it. God, he goes deeper than that. The Bible says, friendship or God friendship is for God worshippers. And, and other, other versions say, God friendship is for God lovers. You see, God lovers. The way the fear of the Lord there is like passion. Passion. God lovers. They are passionate about God. So God is not just a religious entity. You see, we think we are all, um, or we all hold the same value before God. No. We don't hold the same value before God. We are all important to God, but we all don't hold the same value before God. A man of God, Pastor Chris, was sharing this at, uh, I think it was the three days program we had at the zone. And he said, he said it, he said it. You know, and, and when you check the Bible, it's actually very true. When you check the scriptures, actually very, there are certain people that God relates with with a certain kind of premium. He relates with them differently. Think about it. Think about it. There was a king in the Bible who went into the, the, the temple. Alright? He went to the temple and when he got there, he tried to offer sacrifice unto God. And the, the priest came there and said, it pretended unto you. He tried to disobey the priest and he got struck. He got struck there. The king got struck. But the same Bible says David went into the same place that it pretended unto him because he was not a priest. He went there and he went to eat the bread that they had put there for God. 
No, think about it. He went, the bread that they put for God, it's called the, the show bread. The show bread that they put for God, David went and said, today I'm hungry and I'll eat God's bread. Now, how many of you can relate with this? There are certain people that if they touch your thing, you don't care. But the other people are like, who asked you? But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. No, am I talking to somebody here? There are certain people like that. God relates with them so differently. So, some people, you see their life going a certain way that you'll be wondering, ah, this person is a bad person. But these people hold a certain, you know, face before God. When God sees them, all his defenses are broken. No matter how toxic the relationship is, God sticks with them. Am I talking to somebody here? I said there are certain people. If you think that everybody is to bomb everybody. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God told Israel, he said, I will give men as a ransom for you. He said, I will, I will give men for you. That means other people can die. I don't care, but if you die, I care. The Bible talks concerning, this is a kind of friendship that God wants to have with us. The Bible talks concerning the friendship of David and Jonathan. The Bible says he loved him like his own soul. I mean, two guys. Oh. May you get a good friend like that. He said he loved him like his own soul. That his, the, the friendship between David and Jonathan was so strong that Jonathan was ready to give up his, his throne for David. That kind of friendship challenged God. See. Alright, let's look at that scripture. And it came to pass, chapter 18, verse 1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. After a conversation. Wow. He had a conversation with, with, with Saul, with, with, with Jonathan. David and Jonathan had a conversation. He says, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Verse 2. And Saul took him that day and will let him go no more home to his father's house. I mean, the, the bond was so strong. This is the kind of friendship that God is talking about. There are people, men, men that God made. God testifies that this one is my friend. How? So, so, oh, but we are already sons of God. Yes, you can be a son of God and yet not vitally have come into a relationship that God can call you his friend. Because there are things that you, you can do. There are things that men do that take them into that realm. Go to the book of James. No, James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I'll start from verse 21. Alright? It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? He says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And Abraham was called the friend of God. Ah, so all the other people, what, for, what give them? So all the people in this area by that day, what, who were they? He said, Abraham was called a friend of God. Verse 24. He says, ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not, okay, go, uh, let's end at 25. He said, ye see, ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say that there are things you can do that can bring you into that realm. There are things that you can do. The Bible says God is a God of knowledge. And by, we, by him, he says, all actions are weighed. God does not just weigh your words. God weighs your actions. There are things that men do that bring them into this kind of friendship with God. Sometimes, even in a, in a home, a father, you know, one time, 
One time I was, I was, uh, I think I, when I was a fellowship leader, when I was a fellowship leader, one time I was there and uh, someone came to tell me, he said, sir, sir, some people have been complaining that you love some people more than some. And look, I, I told them, I said, I will not attempt to love everybody equally because it's not possible. Bible calls John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Ah, so the 11. No, 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 think about it. So the 11, in fact, one day Peter went to ask a question. He said, Master, are you talking about John like this, that John will not die? Jesus Christ himself, focus on your own. That's what Jesus Christ said. I'm paraphrasing. He said, listen, mind your business. Focus on your own. I, I, I'm dealing with John. John said, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I said, I'm not going to attempt to love everybody equally. Because you see, there are certain children in a family that there are certain things they do that makes the father loves them. The word favor means God has favorites. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. It's amazing, eh? It's amazing that there are people that God shares friendship with. He confides in them. When God is going to do anything, God will come and pass by and tell them, like, look, we, we, we need to do this thing. I want to do this thing. What do you think? I mean, there are people like that. You think God is just sitting down and just one day say, hey, I'm doing this. No, there are some people that God is going to do something. Say, so you show them the secret. Tell you, okay, this thing is, you know, this thing is about to happen. So you do this thing about it. I'm a friend of God. I thought you would say it. I'm a friend of God. All right? Now he says, Abraham was justified also by works, not just by faith. He said his faith became perfect because of the works. So there are certain things that men have done that have brought them into a place of friendship with God. Relationship with God. Because these people, God, God, when God sees themselves. So one of the people we are looking at in this particular story is Abraham. Abraham. Look at it. Abraham. Go to um, Genesis. We, we saw right now that the Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. So let's see some of the things that makes God, you know, or made God relate with Abraham in such a beautiful manner. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Mm. Speak in tongues. This thing, one day I, it challenged me. I look at God said that he will not hide from Abraham what he's about to do. He said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing that I'm about to do? That thing, anytime God wanted to do something, he doesn't hide it from Abraham. You come and tell Abraham, what do you think? You know, when you get into friendship with God, you realize how, how beautiful God is. Some of you think God is a deep-voiced guy. My son. Go to the back of the house. No! When you get into friendship with God, you will hear some of the softest, sweetest voices in your life. Or inside your heart, you just hear that. You know, you just say, Hey, don't go out here. You know, I, I remember Pastor Benny was talking about in Good Morning Holy Spirit. All of you need to get that book and read it if you've not read it. Good Morning Holy Spirit. He said, one time he was praying, praying in a room, and the presence of God was there. Then, when he wanted to step out, the Holy Ghost said, don't go. Where are you going to? Oh. Uh, he said, don't go. He said, come, come and sit down small. Eh? Come and sit down. Let's talk. This message is not those, for those who want to use God as a talisman. When they finish, they hang him. 
Next matter night, they come and hold God again. Oh, do it, do it, Lord, do it, Lord. So then the Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Verse 18. He says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Keep going. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. All right? I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now hold on. I want to help you with a few legalities so you understand. You know, one of the things that makes people disappointed in God is they don't understand that when it comes to spiritual things, there are legalities. God is a father, but he's also a judge. God is a father, but he's also a judge. So when you don't understand the judge dimension of God, you might be disappointed in certain things that happen, but at that time, God related with the situation as a judge. Okay, look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, not of his will. Now, go to verse 21, you'll see, he said, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it. Now, hold on. Make sure you're paying attention so you can, don't, don't be in a hurry to um, say, I don't understand. Hold on and listen to it. Now, at this point in time, God is all-knowing. God does not have to go to Sodom and Gomorrah to know if the evil is up to it. But God had to come down to go because that is the judicial procedure. That is the judicial procedure. Like, for example, we saw the guy rape the girl, but they said he has to bring a lawyer to court. There's evidence, but instead, he should still bring a lawyer to court. Why? Because it's a judicial procedure. So God says that I'm going down to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said to see if the cry, they've done according to the cry of it. That means, that means every time the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were doing the wrong thing, that means it was inflicting pain upon certain people. And the pain of those people came up to God. So anytime God um, uh, puts forward justice or judgment, it is because him failing to put out judgment means he's going to be uh, biased or he's going to be an unjust God to those who have been offended. So if God withholds judgment from the offender, he has also cheated the offended. That's the thing between judgment and mercy. So at this time, God as a judge, you understand? The Bible says concerning God, that he said, he is slow to anger, but plenteous in mercy. That's the reason why you see that so, someone who would probably curse um, someone who is doing the wrong thing. And it might take time for God to respond because God is slow to anger. Judgment is one of the things that God delays before he, he, he brings forward. God delays a lot before he brings judgment. But he's plenteous in mercy. That means the moment the person turns his back and says, I'm sorry, God is quick to act on that one. But he's slow to act on judgment. So at this point in time, he said the cry of it had come up to God. So God said, I am going there. And what was God going to do at this time? What was God going to do? Because the nature of God truly is that he's a father and he's slow to anger. So at this point in time, God knows that Sodom and Gomorrah have done enough evil to bring the judgment upon them. But God, as a judge... He wants to find a small space between, in between the judgment so that he can give them mercy. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Alright, now, it's like, let me say this one. It's like, uh, 
It's like let's say your uncle, you have an you have an issue in the court, not you, somebody. He has an issue in the court. Now, because he has an issue at court, your uncle, as a judge, has to sentence you. But because probably you are his relative and he wants to reduce the number of years that you are going to spend, what you tell you is go and bring a lawyer, tell him to say this and say that and say this and say that. When he says it, I can reduce the years for you. Are you seeing? So, two things are over here. The nature of your uncle told you is love. He's your uncle. He wants to help you. He wants to give you some support in the thing. But at this point in time, he's also a judge. And he, if he does not show the justice there, what he has done is that he has also cheated the offended. Or the law. So your uncle wants to help you. So at this point in time, God, as a merciful God, did not want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So God, now, in his nature as a good God, now looks for a way to show them mercy. But let's see what happened. He says, I will go down, he said, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. Verse 22 said, And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Verse 24. Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy or not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? What's it? Now, Abraham, Abraham called the friend of God, begins to intercede for Sodom. So, at this point in time, Abraham is not in Sodom. What Abraham should be saying, God, there are Sodom people, they are wicked people. He said, God, like many of us are like that. Say, the school of Sodom, God, they are wicked. Allow them to suffer, allow them to suffer, allow them to suffer. Ah, uh, but my cousin, my nephew, Lot is there. Okay, bring Lot out and destroy them. But, Abraham, you can see the reason why God said he's his friend. Because, he is sharing the same details of nature with God. Mercy. But adventure, there will be 50 righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? So Abraham said, God, if you find 50 people who are righteous, will you destroy the place? Go ahead. That be, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Remember, I said he's a judge. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? All right, continue. Verse 26. He said, and the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. So God now starts bargaining with Abraham. Why? Because God, as a righteous judge, cannot just decide that he wants to show them mercy. He has to legally show them mercy. I remember during the lockdown, I taught on legalities of mercy. And the, the, the ways through which people are able to mitigate mercy. Continue. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which I am dust and ashes. So Abraham said, God, I know I am dust and ashes, but uh, please listen to me. And God says, Go ahead. Verse 28. He said, Peradventure, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous, which thou destroy all the city for lack of five. And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. So God is standing. Abraham says, Okay, God. As I've seen that when I mentioned 50, you are still going. That means they are not up to 50 righteous people. They said, God, okay, what about 45? The bargain was going on. The bargain was going on. What about 45? He says, God shall not destroy it. When you keep reading the story, God, then they reduced it to 10. Yeah. 
Oh Lord, let the Lord be. No. He said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. You see, Abraham was said, God. Now, what Abraham does not know is that God said before he got to Abraham that, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham even thinks that God, please, I beg, don't do anything. But he doesn't know that God even has feelings for him. When he say feelings. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? So he says, Oh, he said, Oh, no, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet, but this once. Abraham, who told you to do just once? Because when he got to 10, because he said, I was speaking about once. When he got to 10, they were not up to 10. And God had to continue and go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What if he continued and said, God, what if five? God is so merciful that he was ready to spare all the wicked people because of ten. Something will happen here tonight. Everybody, God can show them miracles. When it comes to God's friends, God shows them other miracles. He shows them the way he does them. Bible says concerning Moses, he said that Moses, to Moses, he showed his ways. And to the two of Israel, he showed his acts. So the two of Israel will just see, boom, 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 boom. Something has happened. Hey, God is great. But Moses, God will show him that, no, when you want this one to happen, you stretch your hand like this. I believe God is talking to somebody tonight. So one of the things that fosters the friendship between God and man is mutual interest. One of the things that fosters friendship between God and man is mutual interest. Mutual interest. If you want to know if somebody is your friend or not, you will notice it by what both of you like. You cannot disagree on everything with somebody and say it's your friend. It's only a matter of time. Blows will come in. Are you, are you getting it? You cannot disagree on everything with somebody and say that is your friend. I, I, more importantly, there are many things most of you, the two of you will agree on. There are many things. Oh, we like the same color. Oh, we like the same food. We like the same. The, well, oh, no, you find that, that most of you, it's got mutual interest. Mutual interest. So you can see that God found someone of like mind as him. We'll look at another friend of God. Go to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus 33. Look at verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Hey! Hey, today, dear. He said, and the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man who speak to his friend. God looked at Moses. When, when you read the, the scripture before this, God was talking to the children of Israel. He said, everybody came to stand in front of his tent and God was moving. When he got to Moses, he said, my guy, What's up? Moses was a friend of God. No wonder, no wonder God showed him things. He showed him the commandments. He showed him everything that happened in the book of Genesis. Because Abraham didn't write. Noah didn't write what happened. All the things that happened from Genesis chapter 1 till Moses came, God showed it like a movie to Moses. He said, Moses, take pen and paper. Watch this film and write it down. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God was different. So Moses was seen. Was seen everything real time. The light came. Trees came. He saw how God made man. And God made man. The Bible talk about Abraham and Sarah. And Isaac and Jacob. Jacob blessed his sons. Joseph. Dictation. 
I mean, can God trust somebody like this? But let's look at something. I said there are things that make people enter into this realm. Remember, this is Exodus chapter 33. All right? Now, we are going to Exodus chapter 32. We're going to see something that happened. Now, we'll not be able to read the whole thing. Let me start from verse 10. Now, at this point in time, Moses went up to Gwen. Then he came back. The people have created idols. And they were worshipping the idols. How many of you think that God doesn't get tired of people? How many of you think that God doesn't get tired of people? I know there are some people you are in your room. You think God does not get tired of people. He does. Oh no, God is the one who never leaves the one behind. Remember that? Remember that? That one that you did not leave behind, that one is a sheep. When you carry him, you follow you. That one is a sheep. When you carry the sheep, the sheep is even looking for you. Goats. Now, if you follow him with his hundred goats and you leave one goat behind, and you go and pull him, and he's not coming. What? Something catch the rest of the 99. I'll start from verse 7. You think that God is, does never get tired of people. Forget it. When you read Romans chapter 1, he said God gave them up. It's the same as God gave up on them. Read Romans chapter 1. And God gave them up to God. And you see, our generation, you know, there are certain sects of people that are entering that phase now. People are entering that place now. Open irreverence for God. Open. And they don't hide it. Open. I think when I was coming, I saw that there was somebody on the comment section saying, young people, instead of you to go and look for something fruitful to do. Okay, by this time, what should they go and do? Should they, should they go and do a prostitution? <laughs> <laughs> so, open irreverence for God. Open someone's data. He said it's easy to watch God's thing. He said that there's going to look for something. If you have anything fruitful to do, you come here. You don't have anything to do. Now, at this point in time, Moses has come back. And when Moses came back, everyone have started God's. Now, Verse 7, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou. <laughs> I see. God vexed. God didn't say, Because God, you brought them. You only sent Moses. Say, Moses, go down for the people that I brought. No, he said, Moses, for your people. <laughs> he said, For thy people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Continue. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Have you ever heard this? God is telling Moses, Moses, leave me alone. Kai, lift your hand. Lift your hand. This is deep. This is big. This is big. God spoke to a man and said, Moses, leave me alone. 
that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Look at the, 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 the bargain. God said, said, Moses, leave me alone. That means there was something Moses was doing that was not permitting God to destroy the people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. Look at the bargain. Alright, so I'm going to destroy them. Then Moses, I'm going to start afresh with you. Your kids are going to be the G's. They're going to be my guys. I mean, I won't lie. If I was Moses, I would have fallen for this thing. May I like to say the truth. Maybe by next year, I will change my mind. You know, one of the days I knew that God really needs to work on me in some things. One of the days I knew was that there was someone who spoke against God. And I imagined that God, I was just slapping him, just die. <laughs> and I just knew that, no, there's still small work on me. Because sometimes, you know, you need to respond in love. But you can say, some people are just so stupid. How can you say that Bible, Bible was created, uh, was, was made to control people? When you read Bible, it's love you see inside. Love. That will make of me a great nation. I'm telling you that today, 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 me, I would have fallen for this thing. If it was a trap, like I mean, I've fallen already. If this was a trap, I'd fall it. Because God, yes, yes, God, start with me. It's Abraham, those, Abraham was the problem. God, Abraham was the problem. Start with me. Start with me. Continue. Verse 11. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Verse 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit forever. Verse 14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Tell it, this thing is serious. Oh. By, this is, this is Exodus 32. By Exodus 33, God said, Moses is my friend. Moses said, God, I'm not interested in any generation coming from me. Well, I'm not Moses. He said, God, what I'm interested in right now is your name. He said, if you destroy them here, they will say that you intentionally took them out to kill them. God, I'm interested in your name. I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in what you can do for me. Listen. Intercessors hold a very dear place in the heart of God. That is what Moses was doing. Intercession. Today, I'm telling you something. We are not going to pray for our needs. We are not going to pray for what we want. We are praying. Tonight's prayer is a different kind of prayer. Now, someone will say, but I have prayer points. Relax. Relax. I don't remember the last time I prayed for anything that has to do with me. I don't remember. I'm always praying for people. And I realize that anytime I'm praying for people, things that I've not even asked for are coming to me. So tonight, we are going to pray for the youth of the world. We want to see the invasion of the Spirit of God in our midst. 
We want to see more salvation in the nations. We want to see salvation in Ukraine. We want to see salvation in Russia. We want to see salvation in the UK. Lord, send forth laborers into UK. It looks as though the generation, you know, people are, everybody's getting into his own way. But we can pray and do something. I tell you, we can pray and do something. We can pray and do something. Tonight, God put this on my heart. I'm sure because he wants to use this prayer to save some people. Friend, does, does the things of God matter to you? I want you to turn to Psalm 119 verse 136. Another person who was called a, fri- a friend of God was David. Look at something he said over here. Psalm 119 verse 136. Look at something David said here. He said, rivers of waters run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. Ooh. Ooh. David said, when I see how people are not respecting God, when I see how people don't love God, he said, I'll be standing there and I'll be crying. Rivers of waters run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. There's something, there's, 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 a, there's an engineering that God does in the heart of people. Tonight, don't be expecting, you know, uh, the kind of prayers, you know, you are expecting maybe we'll be jumping and shouting. No, tonight we are doing something for God. We are running an errand for God. Tonight we are running an errand for God. Tonight it's not about what we want. Tonight we are running an errand for God. You remember those your friends who have refused to go to church. You remember those your family people who have refused to go to church. You remember those people in your area who have refused. As we pray tonight, something will happen. As we pray tonight, something will go on. How will it be that that friend who has refused to go to church will join you in the ocean department? How will it be that that friend who has refused to know God will join you in the choir? Because sometimes, I tell you, our words cannot do it. Sometimes, we pray to them, trying to let them see what we have seen. We tell them, listen, Jesus. I remember when I got born again. That same day, I went to preach to my girlfriend. I went, the day I got born again. I went, and I started narrating. Because my, my born again story was a little dramatic. I was now narrating how the prophet saw a vision, and I was telling her. I was expecting to say, wow, whoa, glory. I'm born again with you. As I was explaining the thing, she was like, eh. So you are born again right now. Yeah. I'm born again. Say, eh. Okay. He said, I'll call you back. Ah. See, it had been open to me. It had not been open to her. But when we pray, it is open to them. He said, rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. Bible says, Jesus Christ, there was something about Jesus Christ and multitude. Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36, he said, Jesus Christ saw the multitude. Go there, Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. He said, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I remember many years ago, many years ago, I'll be in my room. And I'll come out. When I come out like this, and I see SS people closing from school, I'll be looking at them. Sometimes I'll be crying. Nothing. I'll just be crying. Sometimes I'll go and win them. Sometimes I'll not win them. Sometimes I'll be standing outside my house. I'll be looking at them. I'll be crying. I say, Lord, help me to do something for the youth. I want them to know you, Lord. I want them to know you, Lord. I want them to understand you, Lord. I want them to encounter you, Lord. Sometimes you go to places and you see the multitude. You see them plenty walking about. You can see that these people have no direction in life. 
they are confused. They are not like us. We, we, we have direction for our lives. We know where we are going. When we are even confused, we know who to talk to. We know the Holy Ghost. Sometimes I wonder, those who are not born again, how do they live? Because when I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you, Holy Spirit. That presence that comes around me, they don't experience it. How do they live? One time I was, I was driving to church. While I was driving to church, and I got to the U-turn, I started singing a song. And as, as I sang the song, I was in the U-turn. The presence of God filled my car. And I began to cry. I said, Lord, how do unbelievers feel? How do they feel when they don't experience this? There's nothing like this. And sometimes they try to fill in all these things with going to the club and doing different things. They try to fill in with, you know, more and more sexual things. They try to fill in with different, different things. They try to fill in with different, different things. But that's not what they need. What they need is the Holy Ghost. And we know it. We know it. So we are going to present a case to God. All over the world, we are going to pray for the young people. Lord, we want to see more foundations. We want to see more salvation. We want to see more salvation. We want to see the hand of God. We want to see the hand of God one more time. One more time.